Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This episode of Ben the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current master of coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Sansa 8 of A Clash of Kings. And in our Raven, we will be discussing major theories and minor theories and who knows what else. We have tons of stuff going on in the Raven. Hey, that's true. As um, First of all, we did a video. Man, there's some House of the Dragons photos. Yeah. Yes, that was cool. That yeah, it, yeah. I, I think one of our videos up there is like, who is this? And it's like, is it the Knight of Kisses? Is it um, Sir Carl Corey? Is it uh, you know, it's just some Valerian stuff, right? House Valerian. So that was cool, and the photos look great. I'm loving it. Yeah, there's a lot of beach footage. Uh, there's some sort of council going on there. Uh, we're not entirely sure. We've seen young Rhaenyra. We've seen young. Uh, possibly Lanor Valerian. So looking pretty awesome. I'm. It's just it. It feels good. You know, a lot of people don't even know. Hey, that we that wheel of time. It's coming too. Yeah. But um, a lot of people don't know that Westeros is is about to be back. Yeah, and that's the cool thing. You, you said that, and I thought you're right. A lot of people don't maybe don't know. And uh, our our good buddy Tom, I was talking to him the other day. He didn't know Wheel of Time was coming out with the show, and he didn't know House of the Dragon was coming out. And he's into fantasy and a big-time fantasy reader, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of folks who don't know this is even coming. So we're prepping, laying the groundwork, getting ready Just for wait. it. Yeah, looking at the looking at the images. and So 
remember I, I was talking to you. I found a post on Reddit where somebody broke down on the this is on the Song of Ice and Fire Reddit, or it might have been the Game of Thrones. I can't remember. Regardless, um, he broke down exactly when filming was going on to how long it took before we saw the first bit of footage to when the show came out. And so he said that's just sort of HBO's schedule. It seems to be the way that they do everything. Mm -hmm. So he was saying that actually the timing of this lines up with around season six of when that happened, uh, when they filmed and stuff. So I know they're saying April, but he's saying we may see the first bit of footage in November. That would be insane. That would be sick. Go for it. I mean, start prepping. Yeah, get <laughs> holidays. People getting ready for it. You, you've got. Yeah, that's a great time with other fantasy the series hitting. Right, Wheel of Time, Witcher, so on. What, whatever. Get ready for this thing. Good for them. I. Oh God, dude. I. I think. I'm ready. I've been thinking about the House of the Dragon a bit more, and I thought, okay, am I? You know, the cool thing about Game of Thrones was we didn't know how it was going to end. You got to that point where it was like book readers can just f off because it didn't matter. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was like it just what and clearly right. season eight it didn't matter. So I've been thinking, does it matter? Like, how am I gonna read into this? Am I gonna be seeing things and thinking like, oh, I know exactly how that's gonna go down and, and be discouraged? No, I thought more about this. There is so many things that they're going to change and alter and do because it's good TV and it's. They know the they know the outline of fire and blood is there. They're gonna do it. House Valerion is an example of all of that. And I think there's little tiny nuggets, things that aren't answered, questions that will be answered, and we're gonna be shocked. We're gonna be like, oh my god, that's we we, we as the book reader are satisfied by that answer. And if you didn't read the book and you had no idea about fire and blood or the outline or whatever, you're gonna think it's sick too. So I think that's gonna happen. Right. And I, and I'm, I'm I guarantee that the majority of people who've I'm sure that the people who read Fire and Blood and some of the histories is far less than the people who read just the main series because they were watching the TV show. But still, because it's so vague, it introduces the opportunity to create hundred—I mean, tons of minor sort of characters that are show only, right? Because they don't even exist in the books because the books is pretty vague. And we're going to root for those characters. And it's going to be just like Game of Thrones. We're going to be rooting for yeah. them in season four. Wow, they just killed this person. I mean, go back and think, especially for especially for show watchers who, did, who are just getting into the books for the first time or, or didn't read the books. Or even, even if you had read the books, be, there's a difference of seeing it on screen, right? Think about the first time you watch. I mean, or maybe don't because it's a traumatic experience. When you saw Ned Stark die, gosh. Yeah. When you saw oh my. the Red Wedding, like how insane it was. Like, oh, I cannot believe they just did that. Yeah, I knew we knew it was going to happen. And it was like, I can't believe it. I know. I know. I know. It's just the, the way it goes down. You're just like, it's it's so much more. It's it's violent. It's brought to life and you're re-experiencing it. And it's, you know, that's going to happen. You're right. That, that stuff is going to happen in Fire and Blood. And so whether you've read it or not. We're still going to be kind of blown away by by how they pull it off, how they show it, when it happens. You can move sequence of stuff around, and we got flashbacks involved in this now too. You you pulled up kind of the um, young Rhaenyra, Lainor stuff. So they're going to do things in, in, in a different way that's going to be entertaining for both book reader and show watcher only. And I I think that's just right. encouraging. And I and I I I might go as far to say I mean it's hard to say that it'll be better than Game of Thrones because. You know, I mean, Game of Thrones, like, 
statistically the best television show in history. Uh, won the most mm-hmm. awards. That means it's the number one. Rings matter, yeah. right? Just like in sports. It's yeah. all about it's all about the championships. So yeah, the but the difference though is go back to when Game of Thrones started and think about the landscape on television. You know, we didn't have like Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. It was pretty much like you just back in the day when it was just HBO and Cinemax and Stars or whatever. That's sort of your you know, alternative to network television. And, you know, it's like, it's like on sort of, in a sort of your like, you know, your four, six, 12, whatever, 28, whatever your sort of antenna channels, you know, that you can, you can show up to a certain level. Then you get to cable, which is like FX and TBS and stuff like that. Okay. You can show just a bit more, but then I think that's one of the things with game of Thrones was because it's on HBO and HBO had had a history of showing these shows that are a lot gritty, a lot darker. There's, you know, you can show nudity and have excessive violence and and sort of swearing uh you know you go back and you look at the history of hbo shows and i mean hbo had been to that point had been knocking it out of the park i mean a lot of people considered the sopranos to be the greatest show in the history of television mm-hmm. i mean yeah. it's it, it's still considered to be like just a, a, a masterpiece of a show the wire had been excellent um deadwood we watched we oh, gosh mm-hmm. love yeah. that and then you hit then you hit then you hit game of thrones but now think about it, you know, like then the competition for that type of a show didn't really exist. And so with competition, typically it's going to inspire you to have to be bigger and better because now we find ourselves in, you know, we wish you good fortune in the streaming wars to come, my uh-huh. friend. Yeah. Okay. Because now the streaming wars are upon us and, you know, you can go anywhere you want and get, I mean, massive quality beyond sort of regular television shows, you people go to Netflix to watch Stranger Things. You can go to Amazon Prime to watch The Wheel of Time, right? And you can go to Disney Plus and watch The Mandalorian and the Marvel shows. Well, now, I mean, this is HBO's, I would say, first, like, mega show that's coming to HBO Max. And, you know, they're they're getting ready to switch it all over and partner with Discovery and all this stuff. And, I mean, that's it's going to be their... It's going to be their Here's our here's our prime show. It's our franchise quarterback, right? And so you've got to everything's got to be prepped and, and ready and looking good. You got Matt Smith in on this, which is a big deal. So you got some big names and good actors and no names and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you you want to march out here and this has got to this has got to hit right. You, like you're gonna have promotional stuff for it, and it's gonna be drawing in all of your old Game of Thrones people, new just whatever HBO Max is gonna reach out and has gotten new subscribers and stuff. So it's got to look good out the gate, keep people locked in for season after season, and then grow from there. So it's going to be epic. There's just no way it's right. not going to. They're going to throw money at it's it. Just, it's going to be epic. And exactly. While there may be less White Walkers, there will be more dragons. I mean, yes. dra- everybody's got a dragon. It's like Oprah. You get a dragon. You yeah. get a dragon. Yeah. Get, I mean, everybody's got one. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Which is sick. And then, I mean, there's that There's that extra magical element. I mean, look at what they're doing. There's that rumor that they're going to have a Corliss Valerian show, right? We could have um, his voyages and stuff like that. So you're going to have spinoff shows. This is what people want. You, you want like what Avengers did. You want this verse that is a Marvel verse where it's connected. Same thing in Star Wars. They're doing the Filoni slash uh, Mando verse. And we need this here in Game of Thrones. So let George write many stories, outline some stuff, give them some some context, give him the blessing. He's got the five-year contract or whatever. 
but let's let's do it. I mean, forget winds of winter. We don't need it. Let's go back in time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm down for winds of winter, and it's great. But I'm also just I'm on a scale of one to ten. Now that we're seeing more of these photos, again, we did a video on that where we're seeing a lot more of these House of the Dragon set photos and stuffs coming out, and we're seeing the costuming. The hype train for me is at a ten out of ten, but it's yeah. going to be at like fifty out of ten when we get that first trailer, which again may might be November. I mean, we're certainly going to get something at the Super Bowl. I would say for sure yeah. we're getting a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, yeah. If it's going to be May, if it's going to be March, April, right? Yep, I'm with you, man. I think so. I think the hype is building. Uh, we're going to continue to build the hype ourselves, and it's just going to be freaking epic. Um, before we go any further, though, and, and we, we continue on, on the hype train, my friend, I think we need to uh, grab the attention of our listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston and Westeros. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes into the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Yeah, as you know, I mean, here's the thing. In this chapter, we're going to be talking about today in 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 Westeros. Here, uh, sounds like Marjorie might need. You know, you, you just it's not just for men. No, women can use it too because it sounds like she might be getting wed. She wants to look great for her wedding night. That's right. You know, it's it's, it's some manscaping. Men and women can do it, guys. It include you know you Actually, got the performance package 4.0. It includes the weed whacker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know yeah. what? You got you. There's weeds. There's bushes, hedges. You right. know, it's like had. It's like it's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear too. You can get it all. I mean, it's insane. Real quick, you know the the, the clip where what was his name? Um, the the Knight of Flowers, Loris Tyrell, shaving off old Renly Baratheon. Right. Come on, I mean, they, exactly. They the lawnmower would have kicked that. I mean, that could have been done way faster remember the nick the right. cut he got cut in that scene man you he don't cut, have that he with, cut, with he cut the man. Him, man yeah it's like come on i mean this is it's it's crazy so they need it in westeros you need it as well it's good for a gift as well get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you you know, as it actually reminds me of something here that I've been thinking about, um, and it might just be a good, a good question here. Um, mm -hmm. Did Loris Tyrell fail Renly Baratheon? <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. supposed to be his most loyal, trusted yeah. Kingsguard member. Yeah. Okay. And what? I mean, he. I mean, he's. It seems to me like he's more interested in losing to Brienne. Uh -huh. He, I mean, you know, lose it. I mean, he lose the the mountain. He goes up again. I mean, what has Loras actually done? That's a great question. And someone, remember, we did the video about the shadow. I think it was uh, Sir Ryan, and about the 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 shadow, you know, of of Stannis that shows up that tries to kill Renly. And the question was like, once the shadow is birthed, is there any way to stop it? How do you combat that? And so Loras. I mean, what would you have done, right? 
if you saw the shadow. I would just I love the what if scenario where you can kind of throw him in the throw him in that tent and what would you have done? Well, I mean, I guess I guess my question is, you know, Stannis is out there plotting and they're just sort of do they know? I mean, they, they they know Stannis has some red queen. They just don't take it very serious. They don't take they don't take Stannis serious. Oh, that's a good should point. They have should Renly have been as his should Renly as his sort of, you know, key. I mean, you're the you're the king's guard. You're the you're the guy that's supposed to be keeping watch over your king and making sure. I mean, should you have taken it more seriously? Absolutely. That's a really good point is that he should have taken it more seriously. You're dealing with the Red Witch, okay? You're you're dealing with Melisandre. You knew that there was a possibility there was some threat and you laughed it off. Laughed it off. Didn't think it was anything. We've got this in the bag. Catelyn shows up and they're playing at war, as she says. This is they're not taking it serious. So yeah, I think you're one hundred percent right and that it was a joke. Let's just play at this. And later on, what's kind of ironic is when he becomes Kingsguard, which we're going to see in this chapter today, right? It like Jamie will challenge him when he comes back to say, "You're a good man." There, there's a lot to him. He sees a, sort of a younger version of himself. But by God, Loris, you've got to take things serious. Step up. Start to see beyond just the threats. Like Bar- Sir Barristan would have been researching, would have been studying how do we combat the potential powers of this you know, uh, sorceress. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, t- he doesn't, he does I mean, they don't take Brienne of Tarth serious and look what happens. I mean, he gets, he gets a yeah. beat. Yeah, he does. Exactly. Exactly. So that is but a, a but good it, observation. I like it. Does it, does it just go on to their nature? Does it go on to Loras Tyrell's, Tyrell's nature or the nature of the Tyrells? Because we're actually, we'll see something in this chapter here where if you want to get into some real serious theories, I mean, so in this chapter is where Sansa gets that little, you know, gets that gets that hairpin. So mm-hmm. yeah, inter- it's kind of. I mean, look how far ahead the scheming is. We did, we did a we did a big sort of Peter Baelish talk. Um, look how far ahead the head the head the scheming is here for some of these other people. So you know, Lena Tyrell. We think you know we look at her. We look at her as this great sort of master of the of of the Game of Thrones. But how far does the apple fall off the tree? Apparently not super far because Morris Tyrell. Right, exactly. And it's almost like sometimes, and I think about this with the veil too, when you've been in a location and you're you're away from the war and you don't you're not learning, right? You're not gaining that extra experience of being in the battle, losing, understanding your opponent, all of that. When you're just playing at war or you're isolating yourself, uh you're you're not, I guess, in a story, you're not as dynamic as someone like Sansa who's going through it or even Rob Stark, who was in the battles and learning and growing, uh, unfortunately, you know, makes a massive mistake and and loses, you know, his life. But if you're like, like, yeah, that's where you can see the Tyrells come in and they, they haven't played this game necessarily. Or like, like Olena has been around and she's experienced and plays the game well. But Marjorie and others need to listen and stop playing around, take things more serious. I think you could see the same thing later on with members of the Vale who have been out of all of this, like, oh yeah, we're strong and we're healthy and they, they get into it, but they have their, where's the seasoned fighters, those with experience and does that matter? Does that play into things as you go into winds of winter? I'm sure George is thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it just goes to show the sort of over, you know, when Catelyn shows up and she talks about how they're playing at war, right? And then you have Stannis on the other side and Stannis is like, well, I'll get a red witch. I'm going, I'm going to war. 
going to go take down Joffrey and the Blackwater, and he almost wins. Even Stannis almost wins with a sort of defeated army mm-hmm. uh, when he goes to the Battle of the Blackwater. I mean, all of those POV chapters we've we've gone over recently. Everyone's it, it makes it seem like hey, we're about to lose. We're we're yeah. we're about to lose. Stannis is about to come in and kill Sansa and I mean they're about to be besieged and then you've got you know I think that's the difference between Stannis and Renly right is Stannis is over there planning to take over the Iron Throne and Renly's you know with Loras playing tickle taint so I mean yeah what are we doing here when we're I mean mean, what are we what are we doing shave my chest I'll I'll shave yours yeah I that is is that's a good point because it's how serious are you? Are you ready for the consequences of war and getting everyone together? That is that's why. What before we move on, I want to give a shout out to Lord Seth One Thousand who made the comment that started this conversation, which is: I wonder if there is anything anyone could have done once the shadow was born. I don't think a normal type of fight would have happened. Needed some counter magic for sure. So cool stuff. I'd love for someone to send me in. Like, how do you counter Relore? How do you counter the, the the shadow babies that are jumping out with knives? stabbing people so yeah yeah i don't know i don't know oh, yeah i mean it clearly there's ways to do it right because of the magic of storm's end they have to go through that that gate so they're obvi- right I mean, there's a protection but those ways may have been lost that's a great point though that is a that is one like courtney penrose is is fine until they sneak the shadow baby inside it's the cool thing about the wall which is like it's got wards and stuff so there is a magic to it it's just we haven't really seen anybody wield it or use it necessarily so i don't know yeah yeah Yeah. interesting 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 um okay uh, so today man we're gonna be getting into this sansa chapter here um do we have do we have any news i don't think there's i don't think there's anything other than oh, yeah, the house yeah, of the dragon uh, news right yes bre- breaking news um winds of winter is not coming out anytime soon sorry guys i'm such a jerk i just pff, it's fine i said it's okay <laughs> that's like as come on now sorry guys right you know i'm i'm i pull up i pull up the uh george r martin not a blog you know i just always like to check Football season started up again. We know that George is, of course, a big uh, New York Jets and Giants fan, and the Giants just lost a close one. So, I think uh, you know, I think he's, I think he's bad. You know, here we go. Yeah, as per usual, September sixteenth. Well, that was a kick. The Giants just lost right to the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have won, but whatever. Right. He dropped some touchdown passes in the end zone. He said, "Well, that was a kick in the balls. I really thought that the Giants and Jets would be much better this season. Uh, well, that should explain a lot." Okay, if George is sitting here thinking that the New York Jets, who looked awful last year, uh, and the New York Giants, who I think actually might be okay, said would be better this season than I thought with their strong drafts and the good offseason, then if that's the kind of mindset he has, then we're never getting wins of winner. Oh, I think I'll have it done. Okay, well, if you think the Giants and Jets are going to be good, we've got some serious issues. Matt's like, but how complex can his writing be when he's making these assessments on football? Okay. So then we go, he says, a week and a half into the new season, they're combined 0-3. Life is meaningless and full of pain. It's never coming out. Oh, my God, <laughs> dude. Oh, my God. We're never getting wins of winter. I mean, <laughs> cheesy cow, man. I mean, is that what his, he, is that a quote? Is that a quote? That's exact, I just read it verbatim. And then, oh his, my. And then his and then his picture, because he puts a picture on you know, on these. You know, it's a... George, you're, uh, there. It's a... 
it's a it's a guy with a with a paper bag over his face. You know, that's a that's a that's a oh. you know sports thing where it's like people don't want to necessarily people are don't want to be seen right as the fan of that of that stadium. You know, like the Saint the New York, the old New Orleans Saints and the Browns Jeez. have had that for years and years because they're just because they've been pretty much terrible for the most for the majority of their existence. I mean, the Saints have been good more so recently. Um, and the Browns are okay this season. But, Matt, uh, yeah, I misheard I mean, you. I thought you said plastic bag. <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I misheard you. I, <laughs> if you want, I meant paper bag, but I may have said. Oh, I probably just, yeah. I, That's why I'm over here on, on my. I'm like, oh my god, he's a gone. He's lost his mind. <laughs> oh, life is meaningless and full of pain. He's got a plastic bag. Or George, please, <laughs> dude, God, we don't even need Winds of Winter. Just give us Dunkin' Egg. It's fine whatever just tell us and and, and sit down tell us what happens you know god could that be how it happens does george just one time sit down and just start to tell he's like look i can't finish it but let me just tell you guys in a podcast what is what happens let me just tell you the story and i'll just give you the bullet points and just go from that that's fine i mean maybe that's what we get I don't know. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm looking here. Nothing. Nothing else. Um. Uh. Just. Uh. There has been a little bit of uh filming in uh, Croatia and stuff like that, which is where they film sort of King's Landing. So we know we're going to be there. Uh. Actually, I saw in the Reddit people were asking about that and they were talking about House of the Dragon and they were saying, um, you know, how different is King's Landing going to look? Because one of the things that isn't there, well, it's not there at the end of the series either, is the Sept of Baelor because it wasn't built yet. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so that'll be, and then the dragon pit should be much bigger. So other than that, it should probably look the same. And I would, the red keep will almost have to look the same. There'll be different banners and stuff flying around. Um, really excited to see, you know, the throne room, right. With like the Targaryen banners and dragons and stuff in there. But, uh, that's, that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. And, and I just did one search. Be careful friends, what you search for out here. If you type in house of the dragon news, you're going to get spoilers. And there's leaks and spoilers, which is we're into. So I'm just going to say this. Spoilers ahead for House of the Dragon. Okay? Because I just I searched this, and it was one day ago. Those leaked images, whoever is on set leaking this stuff, they're leaking a lot. And a lot of photos are coming out. So the, the most recent one, as of one day ago, and again, spoilers, skip ahead here. Last time I'm going to say it. Matt Smith appears to be dead <laughs> in one of these scenes. There's a sword... Through his body laying. <laughs> you can see the sword he stabbed. Looks like he's died out there, man. Come on, Matt. There's no... if the, That doesn't happen until, like, the very end. If, if they what, kill Matt Smith off, then it's, like, totally... I mean, it's totally it's, different. I mean, it's, it's, totally, like, it's, totally it's different. just, like... I think it's... Right. <laughs> I think it's just one of those things. They're going to do something in season one to make it seem like he could be killed. Or, like, oh, he was stabbed or whatever. Right. He's, like... It looks like he's going into the ocean here, pulling a what's dead may never die situation. He's wading into the actual ocean in costume, and his sword is there on the beach. Maybe he was just chilling. I don't freaking know. It's it's all the, the rage, though. House of the Dragon news one hour ago. Anyway, there you go, friends. All right, well... All right. Well, all right. Okay. Well, with that, we'll take a let's take a quick break, and then we'll come right back, and then we will, and then we'll we'll dive right in. Okay, as uh, back from our break here, let's dive into Sansa, uh, Sansa 8 of A Clash of Kings. So Sansa watches the long procession of heroes and captives being presented before the king. 
Tywin Lannister is now hand, and many are rewarded for their service to House Lannister during the Battle of the Blackwater, with over 600 new knights made. Sir Loras Tyrell is named a member of Joffrey's Kingsguard, and Marjorie is now betrothed to Joffrey. With this, Sansa's betrothal to Joffrey is ended to her great relief. Mace Tyrell is also named to the King's Small Council. Many of the great lords sworn to Casterly Rock and Highgarden receive honors, and many hedge knights and free riders as well. Uh, Lothar Brune is knighted and called Apple Eater for defeating several Fossaways. Philip Foote is granted the lands of Lord Bryce uh, Karen, uh, and, uh, is granted lands uh, of Lord Bride Karen and elevated to Lord. Holland, uh, the Pyromancer, is named Lord but given no lands, and Lancel is named Lord and given the lands of the Daris, except he may die or lose his arm from the wounds he suffered. Littlefinger is granted Heron Hall and named Lord Paramount of the Trident for negotiating the treaty which brought the Tyrells to the aid of King's Landing. When the captives are brought in, many swear fealty to Joffrey, but several are killed for openly ridiculing the king and refusing to bend the knee. Later that night, Sansa goes to the Godswood and meets Adantas Hollard, who is sad because the queen still has plans for Sansa, and her escape will be impossible while the queen is watching. However, Dantas does reveal that they will escape during Joffrey's wedding in about a month. Dantas then gives her a hairnet that resembles a silver spider web with amethysts in it. He tells her to wear it, for it's magic, you see. It's, ju it's justice you hold. It's vengeance for your father. It's home. So, um, I mean, immediately as there's a lot, actually quite a bit to break down from this chapter, even though it was uh, sort of sort of small here. Um, first and foremost, I would say, you know, we jump to the fact that, hey, we've we've won. Right. That was one of the things we, we realized, uh, even though we did have an Aria chapter in the middle of a lot of this sort of. Um, Battle of the Battle of the Blackwater, uh, and you know it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, just like in the show, right? Uh, we see him sort of walk in on his horse, which is cool. You know, he rode his war horse down the length of the hall and dismounted before the Iron Throne. Sansa had never seen such armor, all burnished red steel, inlaid with golden scrollwork and ornamentation. His rondels were sunburst. The roaring lion that crowned his helm had ruby eyes and a lioness on each shoulder fastened a cloth of, of gold cloak so long and heavy that it draped the hindquarters of his charger. Even the horse's armor was gilded and his bardings were shimmering crimson silk emblazoned with the lion of Lannister. The Lord of Casterly Rock made such an impression an uh, impressive figure that it was a shock when his destria dropped a load of dung right at the base of the throne. Joffrey had to step gingerly around it as he descended to embrace his grandfather and proclaimed him savior of the city. Sansa covered her mouth to hide a nervous smile. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so Tywin Lannister, who, again, we actually haven't seen that much of in the books. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really sort of that Tyrion chapter, then we just sort of hear about him. But he, uh, you know, but he, but he comes, but he sort of comes in here. He's very regal. Uh, he just saved, saved the city. Stannis is sort of pushed back, not ultimately defeated. But again, if you're reading this the first time, you don't know. Stannis might be dead for, for right. all you know. If you're, <clears throat> if you were, if you were, if you were on your first read through of this. Um, but it is sort of interesting to see him coming in. And here we go. Looks like now the war is in our hands. Right. And um, yeah, first time through, you have no idea whether he's he's killed or not. And what's interesting is, is in this chapter, it really seems dire because all the captives are going to be killed 
and the, not all of them killed, but like the ones who insult Joffrey or who don't uh, pledge their loyalty, bend the knee, if you will. So, yeah, it, it kind of seems like how could they have won? Because the focus is it's through Sansa's lens here. We've won. Savior of the city. Big time win here. Um, Stannis is clearly defeated. And we just lost Davos, right? Davos <laughs> sees the fire. So if you're looking at it from uh, if you're a Stannis fan, you're like, ah, this is bad. It's bad. We lost. It's over. But we, we know and I'll reread that uh, we have a long way to go with that character, which that's interesting, right? To to make us believe that all hope is lost and then now we're going to go to the freaking wall with him. That's just that's the kind of stuff that you just don't know where the series is going to go. And it's why it's so hard with Winds of Winter predictions to see where characters are going to bounce around and what he's going to do. It's it's insane. I, uh, my big takeaway from this, too, one of the things I really liked, and I just pulled these characters up on the wiki, uh, everyone getting honors. So every named character, George names them for a reason, and they're they end up growing in proximity to other characters, or their lands and titles will matter. And you're like, nah, really? I I come on, I don't I don't think so. They do. Uh, Lothor Brune is mentioned in the same chapter where Sansa is given the hairnet situation. Uh, it's magic, you see, it's justice, you hold, it's vengeance for your father, it's home. Well, L Lothor is, a, you know, employed by Peter Baelish later, you know, later on. So there's that connection between him and Peter Baelish, which is awesome. By the way, let me, let, me, let me jump in here and we can talk about the end of this in a second. But follow these characters. So here are two I didn't even remember. And so as you do a reread, you want to look at the characters who like, who the heck is this person? Philip Foote. Sir Philip Foote is a one-eyed knight of little note of, from House Foote in the Westerlands. And uh, as, as Matt said earlier, it's during the Battle of the Blackwater where he fights for the combined Lannister Tyrell army. He kills Lord Bryce Karen, uh, the Lord of Nightsong. So that comes up later in the other book. So the Lord of Nightsong is this uh, hold that he could go acquire, and he will be confronted later by a half by a bastard brother of the former Lord of Night Song. So that's a little kind of sub thread that how does George remember that? How do you bring this tiny character who's only mentioned? Uh, he has three references. He's in a clash of Kings, a storm of swords and a dance with dragons, but it's so small and minute that why does it matter? Why even bring it up? Is it just for world building purposes or is Sir Philip going to matter at some point? You know, that's the kind of stuff that I, I like yeah. to look at on these read throughs and, and think about because he's fascinating. Now, you go he to the names, character. He does. He does name characters for a reason. Right. That's so they I'm may saying. come back. The, exactly. They may come back. So I went and looked this up. And then the character who's in opposition to him, Sir, uh, Sir Roland, I think is his name, Sir Roland. And his true half brother was Lord Bryce. Karen or his his half brother whatever he's he's the bat Sir Ro Sir Roland is the bastard Lord Bryce Karen was the uh, legitimate heir to Night Song so now this character is got a bigger arc in a Storm of Swords and declaring for uh, Robert or um, the Baratheons uh, Edric Storm Davos the whole thing to go to a feast for crows and he's got a bigger part i just kind of am shocked by some of that stuff you know and like why does this little battle over who the lord of night song is matter because maybe we're going to go to the westerlands later with cersei and she'll call upon some of these individuals and we need some lords and titles and places to play with and george laid that foundation here now you know what i mean like if we ever go to that region 
who are the players from the Westerlands, from Casterly Rock, from Lannisport that we can use, here they are. So I just think that's le levels that I don't know where those are going to go, where those plot lines are going to go or why they're even there, but they're named for a reason and it's important. Right. It's also interesting. Look, I mean, again, you're getting all these characters. I mean, you know, you got Lady Tanda there. Lord Giles is there. And he, mm -hmm. and he goes on to describe how they're all wearing these very ornate, you know, scarlet silk trimmed with golden lace, turquoise silk and ver, you know, I mean, like crimson. I mean, there's all these sort of colors and everything going on. Uh, and it's just sort of interesting just immediately how powerful it is sort of that the reach becomes. I mean, mm -hmm. out of nowhere, we just had this huge epic battle. And here comes the reach, uh, seemingly out of nowhere, if you're reading this for the first time. And suddenly, uh, suddenly, I mean, I mean, look at this, right? Let me, let me, let me get this here. So the king descended from the throne once more to greet them. This is, he's talking about, this is, he's going to greet the, the Tyrells. Mm -hmm. um, a great honor. He fastened the throat, uh, he fastened around the throat of each of, of each chain of roses wrought in soft yellow gold from which held a golden disc with the lion of Lannister picked out in rubies. The, ru the roses support the lion as might the high garden supports the might of high garden supports the realm proclaimed Joffrey. If there is any boon you would ask of me, ask and it shall be yours. And now it comes, thought Sansa. Your grace, said Sir Loras, I beg the honor of serving in your king's guard to defend you against your enemies. Joffrey drew the knight of flowers to his feet and kissed him on his cheek. Done, brother. Lord Tyrell bowed his head. There is no greater pleasure than to serve the king's grace. If I was deemed worthy to join your royal council, you would find none more loyal or true. Joff put a hand on Lord Tyrell's shoulder and kissed him where he stood. Your wish is granted. Sir Garland Tyrell, five years senior to Sir Loras, was a taller, bearded version of his more famous younger brother. He was a thick he was thicker about the chest and broader at the shoulders, and thought his face was uh, comely enough, he lacked Sir Loras's startling beauty. Your grace, Garland said when the king approached, I have a maiden sister Marjorie, the delight of the of our house. She was wed to Renly Baratheon, as you know, but Lord Renly went to war before the marriage could be consummated. So she remains innocent. Marjorie has heard tales of your wisdom, courage, and chivalry, and has come to love you from afar. I beseech you to send for her to take her hand in marriage and to wed your house to mine for all time. So I mean, what you have here is as we as we get towards the end of the book this is why it's so great that george does this so many things just happened in those like three paragraphs on so many different levels that affect just about every character in the book for starters it's a sansa chapter so immediately we're going to dive into this from sansa's point of view which i think is really interesting that we get this because from anybody else's point of view, this could go a million different ways. If this were a Cersei chapter, she you it would be the sort of political scheming that Cersei is doing. One in sort of fear of like, we're now gonna ally ourselves with this group of people who have vast resources and could potentially shove me aside politically because now Joffrey will be growing up and he'll no longer need a queen regent which is ultimately what sort of ends up happening but we get it from sansa point of view and so our our we're actually going into this which for many characters would be a fearful event with sort of hope 
that, oh my gosh, this is great for Sansa because now she's no longer betrothed to Joffrey. And so it's such an interesting thing that's happening here. And that this, I think, is why some of Winter Winter is going to take so long. And just, you know, assuming, we've talked about this before, assuming some of the things that could happen do happen, let's just say, just for sake of argument, happens exactly the same way as the show. We've talked about some of these events, like the dragon pit scene that happens in, in the in this final season. Who do you choose to tell that story, right? It's mm -hmm. such a different yeah. dynamic. And I think it's one of the things that's really cool that we got with the Battle of the Blackwater, where you're jumping around from Tyrion to Sansa to you get that one Davos chapter, and you get to see this event that's one big event that's taking place from multiple people's points of view, and you just get such an interest, such a different take on the whole thing. And we're getting the same thing here where this, I mean, this this little block right there is just so huge because it, it sets the tone for like the next three books. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's yeah. it's huge. <laughs> right. Well, actually, that that's a good point because let me back up here just a second because when you look at these regions, I had to pull up a map and go look at some of these houses real quick because he's building these worlds. As you say, they step in here, the Tyrells, all of a sudden, bam. We saw them, sure, with Renly, but this is the second book. And by the end of this, we've built this region. We've never necessarily... We've been there kind of like if you march right down from, from the Riverlands and Catlin and so on. But we don't really go to the bigger like we don't see it as well as we see like the Stormlands or I'm sorry, like King's Landing and other places in, in, in you know, uh, up north. So this is one interesting tidbit here. Sir Philip Foote is from the Westerlands and is now going to be occupying somewhere in the uh, it's the storm, uh, the Stormlands. And that's right there on the border. The fossilways are beat. So all these names and stuff matter because they're all like connecting those different regions and it's power moving and it's checks and balances sort of like the Tyrells are going to accept this because Joffrey's decreeing that Sir Philip Foote now is able to take over this keep. And like you hold on to that nugget and later on you're calling upon him for some alliance. So what you're saying here is that Sansa's seeing this. It does matter the perspective right to, to to see here but it's also the proximity of these these individuals around one another and why they're brought up here and how they're going to be connected later on the fact that like it's just a it's a it's a quick line it's a very quick in here but it tells you where sir philip foot is from where he's from would would say this shows you that he's he's loyal to the lannisters and he, he's a, he's a westerman now now he's he's being moved around by the crown to take over the Lord of, to become the Lord of Night Song, and so on. So it's just that kind of stuff is attention to detail that I think is, I hope it's all going somewhere and that it is going to matter and pay off. And it normally does with George. Like it, he, he does weave them in. And uh, for, like for the longest time, House Rosby, I was like, what the heck? Who cares about, you know, uh, Giles, Giles, Rosby, whatever, coughing and everything. It matters. It matters later on. And like there's clues laid in there that are huge. So very much so. Big region stepping in with the Tyrells, uh, High Garden and so on. And then all of these other little lordlings help build the, the story and the power struggle in the game for the Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Game of Thrones uh, in, in that region, and it's just all playing out in front of Sansa, as you say, her point of view, right here in King's Landing, so... I don't know, man. On a reread, I'm just fascinated by it. And I think it's it's like, yeah, I don't know. Where's it yeah. going? I mean, and 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 then and then you look at this too. I mean, here you have here you have the Tyrells who were allied with Renly, someone who was going to to potentially. I mean, I it, their army seems so big that even if Stannis weren't part of it, the fact that you're fighting Rob. You know, you're split in just two ways, let alone Balon Greyjoy out there as well. But it almost seems like Renly's army is so big, he, he can just go take King's Landing. I mean, that's sort of when you get there with Catelyn, that's sort of the feeling is, mm -hmm. oh, we, we, we've got it. Like, it's already it's no issue, no issue whatsoever that we're going to be able to do it with the power of Highgarden and the Reach line aligned with Renly. So, but then you have them saying, I mean, look, even the Game of Thrones is being played here by Loras, right? There is no greater pleasure than to serve the king's grace. If it is deemed worthy to join your royal council, I would, you would find none more loyal or true. Well, if there's none more loyal or true, well, you weren't very loyal to the crown, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. But here, here, I mean, but here we, but here, you know, here, here, here we go. And then immediately, I mean, the power shift here is enormous. You go to the reach now, and then we're, we'll get to it here too. You know, they, the the high septum comes in and basically says, "Yes, we can. We 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 you can give us give us job, uh, give us Marjorie, right? Um, the the lady Marjorie will make you a far more suitable queen." They talk about how you know Sansa was betrothed, right? But her father's a traitor. The crowd is erupting, Marjorie, Marjorie. Um, and then Sansa starts starts praying, right? Uh, please, she prayed fervently, make him say it, make him say it, right? Like give him, you know, the gods are good. I'm I'm I am free to heed my heart. And he goes and he's gonna go marry marry Marjorie. Now we cut to Sansa here. Um, she's like, I'm free. I couldn't feel, uh, you know, she could feel the eyes upon her. I must not smile. She reminded herself the queen had warned her no matter what she felt inside the face she showed the world must look distraught. Um, I will not have my son humiliated, sir. She said, do you hear me? Uh, yes, but if I am not queen, what will become of me? Uh, that will need to be determined for the moment. You shall remain here at court as our ward. Um, and it, so that's, you know. Anyway, she's so the, all this stuff is kind of happening, really all all sort of all sort of at once, um, and again we're getting it through Sansa's eyes, so it's more sort of this internal. I'm not going to have to marry Joffrey, but at the same time, uh, Marjorie Tyrell, these Tyrells who just were with Renly and are now, and are, and have now decided, hey, we're going to side with with Joffrey and the yeah. Lannisters slash Barath air quote Baratheons. It's huge, right? I mean, it's it's an it's an enormous thing because the 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 total shift of power in Westeros happens in the in the matter of seconds here. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it's, I mean, and all the while, too, we're also, all these people are being rewarded and stuff, and Tyrion gets nothing, and he's laying down there half, you know, his nose cut off and all that kind of stuff. So there's that emotional piece, too, where we're invested in his arc, but now everyone's coming in, winning all this, you know, award titles and grandeur and moving pieces around. Uh, so, so yeah, it is. It is kind of a big deal. Um, it shows you that, I mean, alliances matter, and... Like Rob, right? Rob making the wrong alliance and not strengthening his alliance with House Frey matters because, as we were talking about in previous chapters, House Frey, that all that uh, that's going to be an absolute freaking catastrophe. You got to know who you have to know who you're allying with. And you said something about Cersei, right? Cersei's looking at the uh, Tyrells and thinking they are powerful. They they are, you know, Olena knows what she's up to. She knows what she's about. Marjorie. Uh, is now with someone else again, and she's later going to be with Tommen. So she's just, they're all just power grabbing. Cersei knows that she's trying to keep her power, but knows that she's losing friends and she needs to gain more allies, which she'll do in later chapters. You'll see her kind of, you know, spread her own net around. Right now, Tywin is in charge, and Tywin's going to be, you know, uh, furthering the Lannister cause. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's a big deal that the Tyrells are here, and she recognizes it and sees it. Sansa, see, I, I, upon a a first read, Sansa does it doesn't really matter because we're, we're we're reading it through the eyes of a child, and it's like whatever this person gets a title, this whatever it doesn't really matter, but it's hugely significant when you look at the tie-ins. I'm literally on on some Reddit uh, theories about <laughs> Philip. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm going down like like Sir, Sir Rollin and and Loras Tyrell. The, the, what happens in this chapter, who beats who in single combat, comes up books later. Like, Loras Tyrell right. well, so, is at Dragonstone so, fighting other people. So, like, it's just like, you, well, you, you gloss over it, but it's going to come up later. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, get okay, so get this. So, this is, uh, I love to use the Song of Ice and Fire. I brought this up. Reread, re- subreddit, um, where they're just, they're going through the books. They pretty much don't talk, they don't, they don't touch the show. But they've read it like three to four times, and you can get different perspectives by going back to different years. Again, some of it influenced by the show and stuff like that as well. Um, so one of the things here, this this is a, 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 something I didn't necessarily pick up. So if you compare this actually in contrast to the last chapter, um, which was an Arya chapter, but there's some things going on there as well. So in the um, you know in in the last chapter, so he says this is a cool chapter. This is PTC three underscore a song of ice and fire from four years ago. Um, he says this is a cool chapter because instead of just tying up loose ends from the Battle of the Blackwater, it introduces a whole host of new characters and threads that will be important in future books. King Joffrey made a show of looking surprised. Sir Garland, your sister's beauty is famed throughout the Seven Kingdoms, but I am promised to another, a king must keep his word. So he goes on to say here, uh, this is the, the Redditor, he's saying, after Elmer Frey in the previous chapter complains about his marriage uh, pact being broken, here's another little clue about Rob's marriage. The mm-hmm. timing of this is so precise. It makes me think that the Lannisters already have been in touch with the Freys. So to differentiate good Joffrey from evil Rob. It's almost like they're rolling out propaganda about how Joffrey keeps his marriage vows to Sansa mm-hmm. so later they can claim Rob's betrayal of the phrase is totally different than the broken pact with the Starks because of all of the hoops they jumped through in the throne room. Wow, that's good. That that's Yeah, it's like there's <laughs> that's the, there's like never that. never thought about that, yeah. 
Yeah, there's like that throne room etiquette for how to move beyond a promise that was made or how to be honorable that Joffrey's guided through essentially by his mother and Tywin that Rob on his own, Catelyn is away from him. He doesn't have his advisors, messes up and doesn't go about it the right way and with etiquette and honor. And yeah, it's and then you're right. It's 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 to distinguish and to show, hey, what Rob did was wrong. And that's why God's punished him. Phrase punched him. Yeah, you know, now I'm trying to remember. Correct me if I'm mistaken here. Are Sansa and Arya are they promised to phrase? I think so. I think no, Arya Sansa's never promised to Oh uh, sorry, I was thinking about Arya. Arya might be. Arya. Yeah. Um no Sa- Sansa no. Um Is she? No, no, no. no Sansa's no. not. Because that's not one of the five Right. It's interesting that she's not like because when they make that uh, agreement, oh, it's because they that already pack, know she's they already right. know she's she's uh, Joffrey. They have to, yeah. Because because right. at that Sansa time, is yes, but yeah, but but couldn't Arya have been? I'm trying. I I'll have to go look it up to see. Um, part of the thing is just, yes, yes. Elmer Frey is promised to Arya Stark. Mm-hmm. So at, at one point, yes. So I was just thinking because that is something, you know, if Arya doesn't go missing, then that might help even if Rob decides to go in a different direction. It could still keep that fray, that that sort of that sort of fray alliance here. But um, anywho, so yeah, just something interesting. But he, but this Redditor goes on to say here, um, lots of new characters here, but notice Arain, the bastard of Driftmark in particular. She's a captive here, having to swear, or he's he's a captive here, um, having to swear allegiance for his life. Arain then rises quickly in Cersei's employ, eventually becoming Admiral of the Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. Right, just so like again, as I was saying, some of these characters you have to look and pay attention because they just they just grow, and it's sort of it's... interesting to see how they go. Um, he also says, interesting to note that Dantos suddenly has a solid plan for Sansa escape now that Littlefinger is back in King's Landing. Of course, so many others returned at the same time. We don't see it as obvious without the benefit of hindsight, right? So just another thing. that we'll, we'll get to that here in a second as well. Um, but here's another one. Lothar Brune to be raised to the estate of knighthood and granted the land and keep of the Riverlands at the war's end. He is, of course, Littlefinger's man. I wonder what Littlefinger has offered him. Seems like he couldn't do better than a castle. Uh, so, you know, it's just, again, a lot of the a lot of the political movement moving here, I think, gets sort of lost because we're in, as you said, we're viewing this through Sansa's eyes and our focus. And George does such a good job of making our focus. Sansa might be able to get out from Joffrey, but all of this other stuff's going on and you don't pick up on it as much because of the point of view. Yeah, you're you're in or you're you're Aurin or whatever his name is, Waters, like you you're mentioning him. Uh there's theories about it. There's tons of theories about him taking the ships later on, running away. Uh and that's that setup is right here. He has to swear to save his life and then gets close, plays the game, and will take the ships later on. So that's that's wild. Uh Lothor Brun, there are theories on him that he might be the downfall of uh Baelish. That Baelish is kind of overlooking him and thinks he's just all, he's super trustworthy, but He's got a thing for Maya Stone and that, you know, if, if Maya Stone is kept from him, he might, the things you do for love, right? Jamie says it, the things you do for love, he might betray Littlefinger and yeah. So it's just wild. The, the, these minor characters, that's something fun to do. Go look up all the minor character theory, uh, theories on Reddit or on, um, ice and fire wiki, whatever. They've got a forum as well. 
it's fan it's fantastic there's tons of these guys that are just you gotta yeah, do I mean, right the the captains of the warships when uh Wild Wind, Prince Amon, and River Arrow were honored next, along with some of the officers under God's Grace, Lance, Lady of Silk, and Ramshed. Those are the those are the boats, right, or the ships. Uh, as near as Sansa could tell, their chief accomplishment had been surviving the battle on the river, a feat few enough could boast. Um, Helene, the pyromancer, um, receives the king's thanks as well, right? And so, yeah, there's there's a ton of people being honored here. Um, then Peter Baelish comes in, right? And he mm -hmm. gets Harrenhal, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, he gets that. Uh, we'll see here in a, a Tyrion chapter or so, right, that he's all pissed about, well, next book maybe, right? That where's his title? What what does he get? He gets freaking nothing for, you know, lost his nose. And even, I think he even says at one point, even Baelish gets Harrenhal. Like he gets this this title, becomes a lord. So that's a big deal. You're right that he does become, he has more lands and that's a, that's a big keep, even though it's got some, some curse to it. He never actually goes there. So he avoids some of the, the curse, but this is, this is big though here. Let's talk about it again. This is another one of these things where we talked about in that Peter Baelish uh, episode we did. He comes, he always comes out of nowhere. And the next thing you know, it's like, my gosh, he's just climbing and climbing and climbing mm -hmm. the ladder. Um, Joffrey left at the court with him, right? Uh, or you know, on his knees, I'll go just a little bit before that. On his knees, Littlefinger raised his eyes to King Joffrey. I thank you humbly, your grace. I suppose this means I'll need to see about getting some sons and grandsons, right? Uh, Joffrey laughed in the court with him. Lord Paramount of the Trident, Sansa thought, and Lord of Harrenhal as well. She did not understand why that would make him so happy. The honors were as empty as the title granted to Helene the Pyromancer. Harrenhal was cursed. Everyone knew that, and the Lannisters did not even hold it at present. Besides, the lords of the Trident were sworn to Riverrun and House Tully and to the King of the North. They would never accept Littlefinger as their liege, unless they were made to unless my brother and my uncle and my grandfather are all cast down and killed. The thought made Sansa anxious, but she told herself she was being silly. Rob has beaten them every time. He'll beat Lord Baelish too, if he must. And that's just sort of, then she moves on to some other people. But even there, it's sort of, it's Littlefinger shows up for a little bit and George moves on so quickly and it's through the eyes of Sansa where again, this is what we said last time. We said they uh, he's underestimated every time. Mm -hmm. Every time he shows up, it's always an underestimation of how good Littlefinger is. Oh, psh, give him Heron Hall. See what happens, right? It's, right. It's a joke. But every time he's climbing to more and more and more power, but he's always just as we said in that last time with with um, uh, with Jamie thinking, yeah, whatever. He's He's a joke. Yeah, it, and actually, the uh, you lose track. At least I did, and this is just me because uh, my head's all over the place in different book series and stuff. But like, y you lose track of the the idea that he has the Kettleblacks, Lothor. He has other people in his employ, and then that's dropped here in one book, and then you move away from that, and that, well, now Cersei has them, or does she have some of the Kettleblacks? You know, like who are they still truly allied to one another? And he's got characters watching each other. And he's been plotting this thing with Sansa. That's a really good point about Dantos. Dantos is working for him, and he has no plan until Baelish shows back up in the city, right? Now he has new information for Sansa. It's never, like, that's not said to us, but you, the reader, can infer and figure out now Dantos. Why does he all of a sudden have a plan? Well, guess who's back in town? 
nowhere is that written or, or where you where you but that's in George's mind, right? He's like, now I can give him something to give to Sansa because his employer is back in town. It's great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's insane. These are the things too. You have to like, it's hard to tell because you, you view some of these, again, it's all through, this is all through Sansa's eyes. Right. So some of it might not even be reliable as far as, you know, mm -hmm. as, as far as we know. So, um, the chapter moves on a little bit here. She's seeing just again, more and more of these sort of just named knights, um, you know, great, great lords and noble knights that, uh, and, um, old Celtigar, the red crabs or Bonifer, the good Lord Eastermont, the ancient, um, even more than the Celtigar, Lord Varner, who hobbled the length of the hall, just sort of going on and on and on. Um, who, uh, who some of these people, some of these people just sort of get named once even, right. Mm -hmm. Or they'll show up like twice, uh, but that doesn't mean they won't show up again. Right. Um, do not, uh, let's see here. Uh, then it talks about how some of these, you know, if they beg forgiveness, then Joffrey would sort of serve them loyally. Uh, henceforth, Joffrey welcomed them back into the king's peace and restored them to all their lands. A handful remained defiant, however. Do not imagine this done, boy, warned one, the bastard of some Florent or other. Uh, the Lord of Light protects King Stannis now and always. You, all your swords and all your scheming shall not save you when his hour comes. His hour is come right now. Joffrey uh, beckoned to Sir Ilan Payne to take this man out and strike his head off. But no sooner had that um, one been dragged away than another knight of Solon uh, comes forth with a fiery height on his surcoat and shouted, Stannis is the true king. A monster sits the Iron Throne. Um, you know, but even right there, again, look at that. Look at that line right there. Uh, a florent or another. So... Mm -hmm. <laughs> It could be. It could. It could be a Florent. It could not be. Could right? not. It's just. It's. Could and not. And, and why put that in there? Right. You know that's a choice. <laughs> so, God. Right. So you still have. So you still have um, all of these. All of these sort of. All of these sort of people um, coming forward, and now these people are challenging Joffrey. Right. The king raises voice uh, in, uh, instead. Joffrey is the black worm. Um, the knight raised his voice and said, excuse me, Joffrey is the black worm eating the heart of the realm. Darkness was his father and death is his mother. Destroy him before he corrupts you all. Destroy them all. Queen, whore, and king worm. Vile dwarf and whispering spider. The false flowers. Save yourselves. Uh, one of the gold cloaks knocked the man off his feet, but he continued to shout. The scouring fire will come. King Stannis will return. Uh, Joffrey lurched to his feet. I'm king. Kill him. Kill him now. I command it. Uh, and then basically the, the, the men is, the man is king. The man is, yeah. the, man, the man is killed. But again, anyone who has to proclaim himself as king is no true king. Right. right. Yep. And that, that's, that's actually said here with, um, uh, with, with every eye on the king, somehow the man on the floor uh, wrestled a spear away from the gold cloaks and used it to push himself back to his feet. The throne denies him. He cried, he is no king. Right. And then, uh, that's, he's just, and he ends up getting killed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, Joffrey. Mm, yeah, Th these these loyalties. It, well, and some of that is just yeah, Stannis is still alive. Some of that is showing you he will return. He's going to be back. So there's a little spark of hope, a little flame left in uh, House Baratheon. These guys are proclaiming it, losing their heads. Would you? I mean, I don't know, man. I think I would I you know, live to fight another day. These guys are right. They know their head. They, I mean, I don't. You know, Matt. I mean, yeah, not, I don't know. Call me a coward, right? But I mean, I might just be like, guys, there's, 
there's bigger stuff here. I mean, I can proclaim to be for Joffrey, and then as soon as they're, I'm, you know, outside the city gates, I'm going to go find Stannis and say, I didn't say, I didn't say crap in there, right? I didn't say anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Although them, them, in in their way, if they die in that sort of a death, it shows just how evil the I king know. is. So well, might, and honor and all that kind of stuff. Your religion, you know. Are you true to your word? All that kind of stuff. I don't know. I mean, again, yeah. right. Um, so then we move on to uh, where she goes out to the Godswood. Right, she's going to meet with Dantas. Um, the why so sad face? Santa asks him uh, gaily. You were there. You heard. Joff put me aside. He's done with me. He took her hand. Oh, John Quill, my poor, my, my poor John Quill. You do not understand. Done with you. They've uh, scarcely begun. Uh, the queen will never let you go. Never. You're too valuable a hostage. And Joffrey, sweetling, he is still king. If he wants you in his bed, he will have you. Only now it will be the bastards he plants inside your womb instead of trueborn sons. No, Sansa said, shock. He let me go. He... Sir Dantos uh, planted a slobbery kiss on her ear. Be brave. I swore to see you home, and now I can. The day has been chosen. When? You know, it'll be the night of Joffrey's wedding, after the feast, and all the necessary arrangements have been made. The Red Keep will be full of strangers. Half the court will be drunk, and the other half will be helping Joffrey bed his bride. For a little while, you will be forgotten, and the confusion will be our friend. The wedding won't be for a moon's turn yet. Marjorie Tyrell is at Highgarden. They've now sent for her. You've waited so long. Just be patient a while longer. Here, I have something for you. He fumbled in his pouch and drew out a silvery spider web, dangling in uh, his thick fingers. It's a hairnet of fine-spun silver, uh, the strands so thin and delicate that the net seemed to weigh no more than a breath of air when Sansa took it in her fingers. You know, it's black amethyst from Ashai, the rarest kind, uh, a deep, true purple by daylight. It's very lovely, Sansa said, thinking it's a ship I, uh, I need, not, not a net for my hair. Uh, lovelier than you know, sweet child. It's magic, you see. It's justice you hold. It's vengeance for your father. Dantas leaned closely and kissed her again. It's home. Now, a lot of things to pull from this. One, first of all, these are clearly not Dantas's words because he they describe how much of a fool he is and he's like pretty eloquent in his speak speech of mm -hmm. calling her like her John Quill and I'll be here. Those those are one hundred percent Littlefinger's words uh, to her. So that's to take from it it's also interesting that he that it's a spider web that's used right when you think of Baelish you don't think of a spider you, when you think of Varys you think of a spider even though it's Baelish right is the one mm -hmm. that's sort of involved it, it, involved in this so that in itself is also sort of interesting um, then I just can't help but think of this is I'm gonna read let me read this again um, it's it's a ship I need, not a net for my hair. Lovelier than you know, sweet child. It's magic, you see. It's justice you hold. It's vengeance for your father. It's home. That is almost like, word for word, the same thing that Daenerys is looking for. Like, if mm -hmm. you flip that around and ha have somebody saying that's Daenerys, yeah. like, and it's some, you know, here you go, it's vengeance and all this stuff. It's like the same thing. I mean, it would, so it's right. just interesting that... It, because I don't think we never really sort of compare those two characters, but there's I think a really interesting comparison where it's almost like you could you could use those exact lines of somebody offering something to Daenerys, and it would be exactly what she's you know looking for. 
Yeah, that is interesting. Danny does go through quite uh quite a lot, and Sansa goes through a lot. I mean, she's and right. she's queen of the North later on, and Danny's you know going to become queen of Westeros, right? right? So, but it's, it's Danny. Danny's always like, "I need ships." That's mm-hmm. the exact that's, that's the exact what... same thing she's looking for, right? It's home. It's vengeance for your father. Well, Danny right. wants vengeance for her father, right? And she wants to go home. Yeah, whether you think that father is Rhaegar or the or the Mad King, she wants vengeance, <laughs> right? So yeah, wow, yeah, it's cool. That's it. We don't compare those uh, two characters or put them side by side enough, and maybe there are more parallels there. Why do you think it's a silvery spider spider web that he that that little finger is choosing to give Dantas here? I again, who knows? I mean, is it like if it's found out that that's the thing? Is that is there a connection back to the spider, and therefore it's not connected right. to? Baelish is that because it how, never, yeah, no, it never comes off. Wonder, never, that's just, in, yeah, that that that's just uh, that's something to interesting though. Is Baelish that far ahead? Is he that far ahead? Yeah, that's what that like. That's <laughs> I think he might. Be. I think he might be. That's that's <laughs> kind of the thing. Uh, it's wild. We all we all just we all just. We all vastly underestimate him here. And then yeah. Sansa's sitting here talking, thinking about, or just a few, a few minutes ago about how, whatever, he's he's a nobody, right? You know, oh great, you get Heron Hall. How great is that? Little does she know that he's the one who's going to be getting her out of King's Landing. Right. Mm-hmm. He's dismissed and so on, but yet he's he's a big deal. That's what I mean. It's a lot of this stuff is when we read it the first time, you have to go back and read it again and look at it and say. Because if if the if the point of view character doesn't narrow in on it and and focus on it, we kind of say, well, whatever. I mean, we almost were were lulled into focusing on what they focus on. And the big takeaway here is, oh, Joffrey, I'm out, I'm free. Oh, Dantas is there, and you know, there's a plan. But there's all these other things moving on in front of her that we she doesn't focus on. So we, the reader, don't really focus on it until later on. We're like, well, wait, who is this person again? And and what's their arc and their story? And, and where did they? interact with our main cast so yeah Yeah. oh wow okay uh let's move on over to some ravens we actually have a a few things we're going to be uh discussing today so i this is just something i sound i found sort of interesting as this again for uh, pulled from reddit uh, just a few days ago says john's paternity teased in a single line right so this is from a clash of kings john six now again there's a lot of sort of lines right you can pull from but i guess this is one i've never you know i think we always just look at connections with Rhaegar and liana um but i think this one's just sort of interesting just sort of you uh just as as it's as its own um so this is from a clash of kings john six long claw was not so long or heavy a sword as his father's ice but it was valyrian steel at the same he touched the edge of the blade to mark where the blow must fall and egret shivered that's cold she said go on be quick about it he raised Longclaw over his head, both hands tight around the grip. One cut with all my weight behind it. He could give her a quick, clean death, at least. He was his father's son, wasn't he? Wasn't he? So it's the fact that George says it twice. Is that just another tiny little clue um, to hmm. the reader? Of John. Because of John, John does Because if it's wasn't he, if it's just one time it would sort of just question, like, am I as good as my father, right? Uh-huh, yeah. But then he questions it again. Right. And so that weight of the second of the, of the second wasn't he 
is is no longer just oh can I give her a quick cut? Am I as am I my father's son? Right? Am I as good as my father? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's emphasized again. He emphasizes it twice. What yep. is the purpose of of emphasizing of emphasizing that twice? Yeah, that's something that is one of those attention to detail things where it's like, what do you think? Do you think George is sitting there? He writes that and he says, wasn't he? Question mark and thought that's not enough. I need to go one more, <laughs> like two more words here and really emphasize it. I mean, really, that's probably what he thought. Or maybe in editing, they thought, where's a spot where we can emphasize more that John needs to question his parentage? Because it does happen uh, other times. But here it's, as, as you say, what makes it more the extra kind of questioning from the character himself yeah i think i think it, that yeah exactly and it happens early and it happens early in a clash of kings and it's a similar situation to the first time we see ned and well everybody in that opening chapter in which ned stark is about to behead a right uh, uh, the member of the night's watch um who who ran away from 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 the white walker I mean, that's the opening scene of the before the prologue i mean the prologue takes place first but the opening scene and he's with Bran who we know is his sort of true born son and then in that chapter when we, we pick up the dire wolves and we learn that John is you know John's a little different uh he's Ned's bastard son and so this sort of references immediately back to that and it's just another line uh you know just another tiny little 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 detail in the very long uh you know set of theories of of R plus L equals J but sometimes it's just interesting to sort of pull out just one little one little detail one word because yeah. this is the level that George R. R Martin is is teasing us and leading us on and causing us to question just as John is questioning here his parentage beyond just a one-time thing but this is also interesting because John almost never questions Ned as his as his parent it's almost always who 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 is the identity of his mother mm-hmm. that's a good point yeah it's he's he's he believes through and through that he's a stark and he's a bastard and all that kind of stuff and he's envious of his brothers and their place at the table and has the beef with with catelyn yeah so yeah normally his mother and then here we have him early in a clash of kings early as you say very early questioning him this stuff about his father yeah. Right. And it just, it just, it just, it just, it just, com- yeah, compounds upon all but, of the other things. So just sort of interesting. Nugget. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me also say, too, I mean, you know, you, he's questioning his father, right? But some of us in the community, we, Matt just said R plus L equals J question mark. Does it? Does it? <laughs> <laughs> let me say it a third time. Does it? No, I don't know. And that's my that's my segue into this other raven that we have, and it's about theory. So I sent you, Sir Matt, just in our, our Zoom chat, a link with A Song of Ice and Fire, Westeros, just theories. This is awesome. If you guys want these links, if you want to do yourself a favor, go look up like a list of minor character theories in A Song of Ice and Fire, or go look up major theories in A Song of Ice and Fire and get the full list and try to find one that you really haven't studied or that you don't know much about. And if you have thoughts on it, send it to us. I think it'd be fantastic. So this raven comes from um, uh, Sir Sam the Hammer, right? This comes from him. Uh, Good day, sirs. I hope you're both doing well and fully rested from your summer journeys. As always, your postings have kept me company on my lonely travels along the King's Road. I've recently started listening to a couple uh, of podcasts that talk about conspiracy theories, where they originate from, why people continue to believe them after they have been proven wrong. 
and how the community acts to reinforce the belief, which got me thinking about a Song of Ice and Fire community. Now, I'm not saying we are conspiracy theorists. Until Gurm finishes the books, we, we won't know what theories are correct and which are false. The fun is in the speculating. But there are a lot of theories, and some theories are more accepted than others. Uh, we have, excuse me, we all have our favorites, and we hold on to them even when the show or George himself suggests that they are not true. I've, I'm, I'm guilty, guilty of that. <laughs> uh, even if he wrote 100 books, there wouldn't be enough space for all these theories to be. Uh, true, so there will end up being some disappointments when people's favorite theories aren't brought to a close. I'm also certain uh, that George still has a couple of surprises in store for us like Hodor was. So a couple of questions for the two of you. Question number one, what widely held theory do you think is going to turn out to be untrue? Uh, I'll read all these real quick and then we can go back through them. Question number two, what lesser theory do you think will end up being resolved? Question number three, what uh, one thread slash theory will you be most disappointed by if it's never explained? Okay. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Answers for these questions. Untrue. Oh, actually, okay. So he answers them for us. So his his thoughts here. So the theory uh, that he believes is, is widely held... Um, that is that's that's true that he thinks is going to be untrue all the hidden identities assuming r plus l equals j as we all assume then i can't see uh room in the story for more than one other identity reveal so like val mance Aegon, Tyrion, danny mira the sphinx some of these may remain open to speculation but i think most people will end up being who they say they are so if we already are dealing with this hidden identity with John, are we really going to have that across a lot of characters and will all of them, you know, turn out to either be like the theories we have on Val being a Targaryen or Mance being Rhaegar. Are, are any of those going to turn out to be untrue? I think he's saying yes, most of them probably will. Right. Uh, second question for him. What lesser known theory do you think will end up being resolved? Uh, his response to that is crows and ravens. I think there's deliberate choices made when referencing these two birds throughout the book. And I think it's telling us something about how the story is going to progress. So that's something that's going to be resolved. Uh, what one theory will you be most disappointed by if it's never explained? Uh, let's see. What's the deal with Hallen Reed? What's he been doing all this time? So those are kind of his answers to that. And I thought, you know, Matt and I can kind of answer those questions if you want to one by one. I, it's, I sent you the link because there is a just a crap There's a ton. ton. There's a crap ton. And this is that this is on the on the spot here. This is gonna be a little tough, but I thought. Right. You know. So, yeah. What widely what, what uh, widely held theory do you think is going to turn out to be untrue? Um, ooh, that one is almost the one that I think is is the most int intriguing slash interesting for me. Which one do I think is ultimately going to turn out to be the most untrue? Um, I don't know because I I think I think so many so many of them are still sort of open. It would have to be a theory that's sort of almost like like it would be like saying well R plus L equals J is not true. 
right? It would have to be something to that level where it's 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 sort of a theory that's not open ended, but sort of, it, you know, like like a theory like let's say Bruce Bolton is some sort of immortal being or something. Like there's more to his leeching and all of that stuff. Um, do I think that will end up being not true? Yeah, I think there's a lot of theories that will end up being sort of not, you know, not true. Like Tyrion being a Targaryen, I. Yeah, I don't think that th- I don't think that that's true. Yeah, and then you get into the 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 widely because I I just throw in there like uh, Ned plus Ashara uh, e- equals John. Yeah, some people can, that's I don't think it's it's larger, but it's not like a widely accepted thing. Right, but that's definitely one I think w- wouldn't be true. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think a lot of the, a lot of the bigger ones like the Night of the Laughing right. Tree. People have some pretty solid ideas on who they think that's going to be, but there's like three four different versions of that of that theory. So uh, I actually kind of agree. Just want to point out that I, I kind of agree with the idea that a lot of the false identity, double identity stuff, we can't right. have too much of that. And that's a really good right. observation. So yeah, I kind of like what right. you're saying. Yeah, I can go with that. Um, okay. So what about this? What one theory slash thread will you be most disappointed if it's never explained? Yeah. Uh, is that the one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Quaith. Quaith, anything to do with Quaith. I was kind of like, if I don't get something, that just to me is so bonkers <clears throat> that Quaith right. is there and you have Melisandre and the, the things with Danny. And I think that is abandoned. I actually don't know that George is going to come come back and explain all of that. And that drives me insane to think like, right. you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm Quaith or for me like Benjen. I think yes. like if we never got if we never got resolved because I don't think Benjen is cold hands, um, but it, I just if we never got resolved to either of those I mean I think Quaith is number one just because it's such a big deal, but again the other one would be sort of it would be Benjen because it's just it's so in your face of like where is he and what's the point, and if Benjen sort of isn't cold hands then it's like what what's the deal what's the purpose he like knows stuff about john's mom and all this stuff and you know that's something interesting too is he's like you know how are we going to learn r plus l equals j because we have so many theories like this is howland reed that sort of ties into it is he going to be the one that spills the beans benjen right because benjen's like i'll we'll talk about your mother when i get back and then just to sort of never see benjen uh again mm-hmm. would be like what's you know what's going on there yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's one. It's been talked about so much. So the ones that have been like from the beginning, we, we've we've wondered for a long time about these individuals. Benjamin's a great one like that. Come on. You got to have I'd be really disappointed if we get nothing on that. It's like the first that's like the first theory there is. It's like the first one of the first things that right. happens. Right. Exactly. And you think about early on stuff like it's not necessarily brought up over time and time again, but. For example, the Night of the Laughing Tree is early-ish in the series, but it's not something that's right. brought up repeatedly. But I think a lot of people would be disappointed if they didn't find out who that is. And that comes through Highland Reed. Uh, that, that, that's the character who can tell you that kind of stuff. So what ha- what really happened at the tourney at Hall is one of those things that I don't think it's going to be answered. I don't think a lot of stuff, some things might be answered, but a lot of it's going to be left up for speculation. And yeah, and it's just something that he's using to kind of you know, uh, guide or, or guide his writing that a lot of conspiracy stuff went down at that tourney and Helen Reed has some of the answers to this stuff. So, um, yeah, but there are, let me just, yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me quickly read through a couple of the true identity ones here. So I pulled this up just to, to Sam's point here. Uh, the theories, Alaris, the Sphinx, 
right? It, uh, who who is who is that individual? Uh, Azora High. Who is Azora High? Is it Stannis? Is it someone else? Cold Hands. Who's Cold Hands? Who's the Grave Digger? Who's the Knight of the Laughing Tree? Who is Septa Lamore? Patchface. And I guess you could say, I don't know, it's like a who is Patchface, really, but like, is is he telling us something more about, I mean, is right. it someone significant? Maybe. Right. Uh, the Perfume Seneschal, Quaith warns Danny about that. The Prince that was promised, who's the Prince? Robert Strong, we think, is is Sir Gregor Clegane. Uh, Roose Bolton, is he actually an immortal? The Sailor's Wife, is that Tysha? Is that Tyrion's first wife? Um so and and the Valencar, who is the Valencar destined to kill Cersei? So right there, you got a lot just in the category of true identities and stuff. And then parentage, you've got Aegon Targaryen, um, Hodor is discussed, Jon Snow, Brown Ben Plum. It is you have Targaryen blood. I mean the, the the list just is extensive. I'm only giving you a couple categories. There's tons of other ones too. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. There's there's just there's so many, and that and even that's not even all of them because you can go further about like true identities, which would include yeah. like again sort of parentage because that sort of goes into it. Very so like Varys is the, a, the any Varys is a merman, right? right. Uh, or, or is he a black is fire? The, are 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 these? Is he a black fire? Young Griff. I mean, that would be one where you have right. to explain that. I mean, if you just don't. Yeah. What the heck? Right. I mean, yeah. That, so yeah, it has to be right. told. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so some of these you just you're gonna you're gonna have to provide backstory on, otherwise it's just, it's just not gonna make sense. But I don't know, guys. You know what? Leave us a comment and let us know. Let us know what are I want. I do genuinely want to know what are what are some theories that if you if they were never explained. I mean, again, none of them may never be explained because we may never get wins of winter. But assuming that the series will finish, what are some theories? What are some theories that if George doesn't tie up loose ends, which loose ends would upset you the most by yeah. not sort of not sort of getting them what are some of the ones you just like i have i have to know so anyway with that guys hey we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 66 theon 6 of a clash of kings if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us that raven at btkcast at gmail.com we will see you next time and remember that winter is coming Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park